for the sermon this day is taken from Psalm 51, and actually I encourage you to actually open up your hymnal to Psalm 51, and we're going we're to speak the first 13 verses together. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquities, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, Ash Wednesday, the season of Lent is a season that has been set aside for specifically for a season of repentance, a season to be mindful of our sin, to be mindful of our condition. We began the service with the imposition of the ashes, reminding us that everything that we are, everything that we have, will become ash. It will become nothing. Because this world is a fallen, broken, sinful world. And every single one of us walks in the sinful nature. Every, every Sunday, at the beginning of the service, and this is going to be kind of serving the guide, is on page 151 in the hymnal. At the beginning of every service, we come and confess our sins. 
And the words that we gather with that confession are words that very well teach us what repentance is. It begins, Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. So that very first words, by nature. In other words, by birth. At, or as David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. David wrote that Psalm 51, which we just read. He wrote that after he had slept with Bathsheba. After he had had her husband murdered. And when he was confronted with his sin, Psalm 51 was his words of confession. And so in his confession, he acknowledges that at his conception, he was a sinner. And the same is held true for us. At our conception, by nature, we are sinful and unclean. This is something that our world has fought after a long time. One of the great big ba- great battles in the early church was against a group that's called Pelagianism. The Pelagians deny original sin, said that we were not born in sin, said that we had good in, of, in and of ourselves. But the Scriptures do not let us stand on that. The Scriptures are abundantly clear. And again, going back to that words of David, In sin did my mother conceive me. Not that the conception was a sin, but in the concept at conception, in your conception, you were already in sin. That is who we are from birth. And it's for this reason we begin in the in Divine Service 3, we begin by saying that we are poor miserable sinners. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. I thought about, think about why do we say that in that order? It might be that it's just a little bit more poetic. You know, maybe it sounds better than deed, word, and thought. But I think the other reason is, is it's kind of written in order of most common. Now we may do, many of us can so easily say, "Ah, you know, I've never robbed anybody, I've never killed anybody. And so we're easy to get, we're pretty good at getting ourselves off about the deeds. We can say, well, I do things every now and then, but it's not that much. Words become even a little bit more frequently. The things that we say or the things that we neglect to say. But the one that is most frequent is our thoughts. The sins that we commit every moment of every day that are deep in our minds and no one knows but us. We confess of that sin. By what we have done and by what we have left undone. So think of the Ten Commandments. Think of all those things, by the way, notice that, by the things that we have left undone, again, we like to think about, yeah, okay, I did these things, 
but so easy to overlook or neglect. We have not loved you with our whole heart. That speaks to the first table of the law. The first table, if you remember back to confirmation, was the first commandments one through three. For we shall have no other God before him. In other words, if we have followed after any false idol, now I'm not talking about just you know being a Muslim or being a being a Buddhist or whatever. It's it is also those little idols, the idol of mammon, as Luther called it, the idol of money, the idol of our possessions, the idol of our time, the idol of even our bellies, which is why the season of Lent. Traditionally, the church has used it as a time for fasting because the biggest idol is, one of the biggest idols, is our own belly. And it forces us to focus on God. The second commandment, we shall not use the Lord's name in vain. How many people nowadays write OMG on social media or in their texting or whatever it may be, and giving no thought to the fact that they are using God's name in vain. We know what OMG means. Or the old ones that we know of, we say G's or oh gosh. All of those, those in many other ways that we use God's name in vain. The third commandment. We are to regularly hear God's word. And we are to study it during, even in our homes. Again, the season of Lent is a season for time for prayer, for meditation on the scriptures. So again, one of the practices of the church was in the time that you were not eating, the time that you weren't cooking the meal, instead of eating and cooking, you would sit down with the Bible and you'd read. And you'd, re- you'd say scriptures. If you couldn't read, You would say the scriptures that you knew by heart. And you would pray. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We all know we have disobeyed our parents at some point in our lives. We we do not always honor our government. We We do not honor those who are in authority very easily whether it be our employers, our teachers, whoever it may be. The, the fifth commandment, we shall not murder. There's one where it's like, see, I never committed that deed. I never killed anyone. But Jesus said, if anybody says of another, you fool. Or if anybody has hatred of his brother. If you've ever had the, one of those thoughts, it's like, oh, I want to get it back at that person. Oh, I wish they knew how I felt. Whenever we have those thoughts of vengeance, that is the breaking of the fifth commandment. Shall not commit adultery. If we've ever looked lustfully at someone who was not our spouse, we have committed adultery with them in our hearts. Or if we've ever thought of our spouse that they're not quite good enough And I'd rather have someone else. The seventh commandment, you shall not steal. 
Not only is this talk about don't, you know, don't rob the local gas station, but even those times when you're supposed to be working, and you don't work nearly as hard as you should, especially if you're on an hourly schedule, robbing your employer, or if you're your own employer, if you've ever take, done, been dishonest in your business dealings, found a way to get extra money in some deceitful way, Eighth commandment, we shall not bear false witness. Lying, even the littlest white lie. That one where somebody asks, do I look fat in this dress? The answer usually will be no. But reality, I don't know if there's an easy way out of that, but that is still bear false witness. And the coveting commandments. Forever not content with God's law, with God, what God has given us. We are not content with our, with our homes, with our clothing, with our vehicles, with whatever we may have. That is the root of covenant. You look at this and you see how pitiful we are. This is why Luther's hymn is so appropriate. From depths of woe I cry to thee. Calls to mind Isaiah when he saw the Lord exalted on the throne in Isaiah 6. And when he saw it, he said, Woe am I, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I am from a people, um, I am amongst the people of unclean lips. Isaiah knew that when he stood in the presence of God, that he deserved death. We are in the presence of God. Especially on, on it when we attend the divine service. We are in the presence of God in a way that we aren't in our regularly of daily lives. We gather to hear God's word. We gather to call to mind our baptism. We gather for the Lord's Supper where, the, where God Himself is present in, with, and under the bread and wine. And if we really thought about that, if we really consider who we are before a holy and righteous God, from depths of woe I cry to Thee in trial and tribulation is a word, are the words that we should always have before our God. Repentance begins, it involves humility. It involves a recognition of our sin, not only the sins that we know of, but the reality that there are so many we don't know about. And so we say, we justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. We recognize that we deserve His destruction. We deserve His wrath. We deserve His anger and His fire and His might. But then it turns to this. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. See, these were return immediately. The, the reality is that when you repent, even though we begin talking about our sins, but it's not actually where repentance is built off of. 
Repentance is built on faith. We come before God confessing our sins, knowing that as, we, as I had just said, as we said in the intro at the very beginning, you have mercy on O Lord and abhor nothing you have made. We come knowing that God does not hate you. God does not hate any of us. In fact, He loves us. He cherishes us. He values us. Because we are His children. We are His creation. And so we come to Him and say, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us. Knowing that He will. It's kind of like when you're growing up as a child and you'd come before your parents and you were in, you were in trouble. Maybe you had a really bad night. I don't know if any of you have ever had one of those, have any of those stories where you were a kid and you know you went really, really off. But you came to your parents. And actually, there's a really good story I've heard of. This is a, maybe you've heard of similar stories where a parent told their child, that if you ever find yourself in a party at, an un, at a horrible situation, do not be afraid to pick up the phone and call me, and I will come and get you. I will not chew you out. I will not lecture you. I'll just be happy to take you home. And this, the story was that this, this girl was one night at a party and everybody was getting drunk, and even herself she drunk, drunk some, she finally heard, she, somebody said, oh, we, I could drive home, I'm not too bad. But she heard the voice of her father, it tr- had faith in what he said, called him. And the father came and picked her up. And he did not chew her out or anything. He was true to his word. Just happy that she did not go home with a drunk driver. That is the kind of faith we come before our God when we confess our sins. That's why we say, so when we say, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name, we know what the answer is going to be. We know the answer is going to be that Almighty God in His mercy has given His Son to die for you and for His sake forgives you all your sins. We know that He died on the cross. We know that He shed His blood for us. We know that all of our sin has been covered. It has been destroyed. It has been buried. It has been scattered as far from us as the east is from the west. That's why we can come and say these words of confession. This is why we come and repent. Because we know He's going to forgive. We know He has forgiven us. And so I say, as is called an ordained servant of Christ, and by His authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as Jesus said to Peter, when Peter had confessed Jesus as the Lord, He said to him, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He was talking about the forgiveness of sins. 
If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. If you say the sins are forgiven, they are forgiven. That was also the words of Jesus to the disciples in John chapter 20 after his resurrection. When I speak the forgiveness, it's nothing about who I am. The reason why I wear these vestments, it's actually a humbling thing to pastors. It's to remind us that God could put any Yahoo in, in these vestments. It doesn't matter who it is. It, by, I am but an instrument by which God proclaims forgiveness. It, when the forgiveness is spoken, it is as if God himself was speaking it to you. And when it is spoken, it is true. You are forgiven on account of what Christ did on the cross. On account of the waters of baptism. And a little bit you'll receive that forgiveness in a solid physical form. In the body and blood of Christ. And notice it also, this comes the last part of repentance. We ask that we are renewed. That he would renew us and lead us. So that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. So we ask that by the gospel, see the law does not empower you to do good works. The primary purpose of the law is to condemn you. The gospel motivates. The love of Christ shown specifically on the cross is the thing that renews us and leads us So that when we look at those Ten Commandments, we say, Lord, help me to not be that way. For the sake of your Son, give me the power. May your Spirit empower me to live faithfully, live in obedience to these commands. And lead me every time when I fall to confess That is what this Lenten season is. To focus not only on the sin that we have, but on the reality that it is forgiven. And should we meet death? That's fine. Because we have eternity on account of that life-saving forgiveness. To Jesus be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. At this time, we continue with the gathering of our offerings.